And then he, yeah, when he breaks out the book and he's doing what, like a, his John Wayne impression, where he's like, "But right. I'm gonna have to yeah. mark you as chicken shit." That sounded more Forrest Gump, honestly. What I just did, you did better than I thought you would actually. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and I finally watched Grindhouse Death Proof. So that's how you decided to do it, huh? That's how I decided to do it, because the movie is a double feature. So when this came out, and it was as a double feature, Quentin Tarantino directing Death Proof and Robert Rodriguez directing Planet Terror, um, I was excited to see it in theaters. And I think, I don't know if this would have been my first, I don't think it would have been my first Tarantino movie, but it would have been close um, and for some reason, I just couldn't make it to the theaters in time. I don't think it lasted that long because I don't think it did that well. And so I had to wait for it to come out on uh, DVD. And I haven't seen it since I like bought those DVDs and watched both of them. And I just remembered like, I was like, ah, they're all right. And um, we decided to do basically all the Quentin Tarantino movies that at least one of us hasn't seen just to like kind of fully knock them out because it's kind of embarrassing, right? And so we did Jackie Brown to start, which I hadn't seen, and then Four Rooms, and then this one, which you haven't seen, and then we're going to end it with Hateful Eight. So not exactly like everyone's favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. Right, because um, we've watched everyone's favorite Quentin Tarantino movies, I like to think. Yeah. And so when we decided to do this, we were just going to do Death Proof, but then um, both were available. I gotta say, like last time we were shitting on Pluto TV, and this time both of these movies, uh, Death Proof and Planet Terror, were on Tubi, and that is a much superior product. Uh, yes, thank I love you, Tubi. Tubi. Thank you. Um, but we watched not both. sponsored, I... <laughs> not yet. But I loved both of these. I um, and I took two times watching Death Proof this time. Um, for me to really appreciate it because like it's it's a definitely like you described as like a slow burn but like it's it's structurally a very weird movie and then planet terror i liked right off the bat and i think i just kind of knew what i was in for this time like i knew the whole grindhouse like motif he was going for but this time i just sort of like let it wash over me more <laughs> and i really loved both of them and we're going to talk a little bit about planet terror even though we're mostly focusing on death proof and I, I think I preferred that one, but I, I loved them both. And Death Proof, especially on the second watch this time, was so good. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of, of Jackie Brown in that it's like a hangout movie for most right. of it. With then right. like an eight to ten minute kind of grindhousey scene in the middle. And then the last 20 minutes is basically like a homage to the original Gone in 60 Seconds almost. Like it's just a car chase. <laughs> Um, yeah, I loved it. Did, didn't they shit on Gone in 60 Seconds in the movie? Well, they shit on the, the remake with Angelina Jolie and the one we uh, did, Nick yeah. Cage. Yeah, yeah. Which, if I ever met Quentin Tarantino, that'd be the first thing. Like, hey, what the fuck? Listen, I know there's a weird sex scene, but overall, it's a great movie. You know, so back to Planet Terror and like the Grindhouse feel. Definitely Planet Terror dives way more in Grindhouse, which I feel like it fits more Robert Rodriguez's shtick, right? His, like, his auteurism of, like, how he makes films. You seeing Grindhouse, both of these, not your first Tarantino, but would you say this might have been your first Rodriguez? I think Sin City came out before this. Um, so you saw also... Sin City. See, my, my first Robert Rodriguez would be Spy Kids. <laughs> That's one way to do it. Don't shit on Spy Kids. Um, as far as like Grindhouse, this isn't my first Grindhouse-ish. Like, what what is Grindhouse? Would you label it as like a genre of film? Yeah, I mean, a yeah, sub no, yeah. sub genre. Yeah, it's like those. It's like an exploitation type movie. Basically, like Grindhouse is just this idea that you could go to like a, a theater, like a shitty theater, and pay like a low amount and see a couple kind of B ranging into C type right. uh, violent movies. 
So yeah, I mean, that's kind of the film that you just kind of expect to watch on a like a shitty drive-in theater, right? But by, by the then, way, my first Robert Rodriguez movie was Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Oh, okay. As it's it's probably my second one. Spy Kids. Have you ever which seen I, Spy Kids? I have not. Which I think Once Upon a Time isn't that the? I think that's the story I told about where we wanted to go see it, and the cop told us to go find Nemo. <laughs> Because oh, we asked, we yeah. asked, we were all, me and my friends were all, uh, what, 16, and we wanted to go see Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and we didn't, I guess we didn't have a credit card, so we couldn't use the credit card machine. The kids have it easy today, you know, they got the credit card machine, you don't have to go up to the kiosk. Uh, and we asked one person to buy us tickets, and it was, a, it was a fucking cop, and he was like, why don't you kids go find Nemo? So then we bought tickets to Pirates of the Caribbean, and then just snuck in to Once Upon a Time in Mexico. So either way, Johnny got our money that day. Also, you gloss over the fact that you've never seen Spy Kids, and we need to do a Robert Rodriguez month, where it's just all the Spy Kids. No, I'm kidding. Um, what I was saying about Grindhouse films is, have you ever seen Hobo with a Shotgun? No. No. It's very Grindhouse-y. It came out when I was in high school. I went to go see it. And it was very reminiscent of that. And I believe actually someone subbed a body part for a gun, much like in Planet Terror. Must be like a like a trope in Grindhouse films. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I'm not, I don't think either you or I are any sort of an expert on Grindhouse movies. Um, what do you think of Bruce Willis in uh, Planet Terror? I thought... Uh... It wasn't really, like, he wasn't really stretching himself or was he in the movie Three Minutes? Yeah, he was definitely, like, a, like, uh, I mean, 2007 isn't that long ago, so it was just kind of his declining career, but... You know, now the thing about it, Death Proof may be my first Tarantino movie. Unless really? it's between Death Proof, Pulp Fiction, and... Uh, Inglorious Bastards, and I have no idea when I first saw Pulp Fiction. Uh, like I've seen it so many times, like at random times. I don't know. So it, it was. It may have been Pulp Fiction, and if I saw, if I watched the Grindhouse movies right when they came out on DVD, which I think I did, those might have been my first before Inglorious Bastards, which would fucking be crazy. That, that was my introduction. Uh, mine was definitely either Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs. I can't remember which one. Um, all right. Well, let's let's uh, since we've kind of introduced everyone with what exactly this is, let's dive into Death Proof. Real quick, you didn't know there'd be a quiz. Can you name every character that is in both movies? Every actor First of slash all, character. I should know that. There would be a quiz. There's almost always a quiz. Every actor slash character. There's Jungle Julia. Wait, what? There, what? Every every actor who is in both Death Proof and Planet Terror. You want me to? Oh, not the characters. I was gonna go character actor character. Actor. No. You just want the well, I'm not actors. saying the fact that they mentioned Jungle Julia in Planet Terror is not like doesn't. They don't even think they do. They just mentioned her in the second half of Death Proof. No, they they mention no. You hear Jungle Julia on the radio in Planet Terror as unfortunately she died. Okay. Well, yeah, that doesn't count. Okay, so the the cross between well, there's um, uh, fuck, what's her name? Dawson. Rosario? No. no, 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 no. The the charmed, from, Mag- the girl from Mag- Charmed. Rose, I'll give you Rose McGowan. <laughs> I didn't realize Rose this McGowan. quiz was going to take so long. <laughs> Rose McGowan, um, Quentin Tarantino, right? Um, that's all I'm remembering. The female doctor who was the wife of Josh Brolin. Yep. Her father the her father the cop. 
Is that the same cop duo from uh, Kill Bill? Uh, Kill Bill, yeah. Okay. Yeah, volume three. Yes. Yeah. Um, Michael Parks, and then the so on IMDb, the last two it mentions are the Latin twin girls. They were in Death Proof. They walk into the bar in Death Proof, and then they're in the background in the scene. Of oh, that's the, them of the dance of her doing the, okay. the lap dance. And the last one, which is not mentioned on the IMDb fact that I read, and it's one I recognize, is Nikki Cat, who plays the store clerk in Tennessee that has the Italian Vogue. And then he is the same guy who gets his arm cut off by Josh Brolin in Planet Terror. Huh. Go figure. I was also trying to look up if there's any connection for like Rose McGowan's characters, and I think they just both wanted to hire her. I was trying to figure out if there was some connection between the two characters, but apparently not. They were supposed to, she was looked completely different and she just, they happened to have her in both movies. Also, Planet Terror happened after, chronologically after Death Proof and she died in Death Proof. So there you go. Maybe she lived. Well, let's talk about Death Proof. Um, as we mentioned, I think, you know, this movie starts out very slow. Um, we're not even like fully introduced to the bad guy until like halfway through the movie, I would say. Uh, yeah, well, maybe like halfway through the first half, right? Like he shows up probably 30 minutes in. Because Death Proof is really too... It's almost like two episodes of a TV show combined together, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. in the first in the first half, he succeeds, and in the second half, he doesn't. Uh, as far as his like wanting to kill these women, sure, sure. Kurt Kurt Russell makes an interesting bad guy um, because I think most of what we watch him in, he's so charming and charismatic, and a real lady killer. If you know what I mean. Um, jeez. The uh, the dynamic he has though with um Rose McGow's character, I think, is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and um, I do want to start out with like start at the top a little bit. Um, one one thing I noticed, and I said something similar to Jackie Brown. I was like, you know, that's a two and a half hour movie that directed by someone else would be like an hour and forty five minute movie. This mm-hmm. is a two-hour movie that could be like a 45-minute movie, <laughs> like this whole thing. Yeah. It's so dialogue-heavy. And, and the other thing, too, that I, like, I think in the movies that aren't as good for Tarantino, it's like whether the dialogue works or not. And, I like, this kind of cemented to me that Inglorious Bastards is probably my favorite of his because I think the dialogue is just amazing especially like all the christoph watts stuff you know that first scene with shoshana in the beginning in the in the farmhouse um right but one example of just like i was like all right can you fucking quit repeating yourself but the jungle julia she was like first of all she has her friend marcy act out this whole thing only to then explain the end of it about the poem like just to kind of cut in and be like well this is what we're doing so it's like why did you even have her act it out if you were just going to explain the ending of it instead of have her do the poem? But she's like, but, you know, if the evening goes on and this kind of cute, kind of hot, kind of funny, but not funny looking guy, you could have sex with. And she says that like 17 more times throughout her 40 minutes in the movie. I'm just like, I fucking get it. People don't talk like this. Like, please stop. <laughs> Quentin's people do. Quentin's yeah. people do. I just um, it, it was it was less effective to me in this. Did you know who that was, by the way, Jungle Julia? Uh no. Her name is Sydney Tamilla Tamilia Poitier, the daughter of Sydney Poitier. Oh, another Which Sydney. Kind of... Yep. Which That's Sydney cool. works? Sydney works male female. So, um. I actually like her in the movie. I also like the the whole setup about her legs. And when they were talking about it, I I remembered how things ended for her and I was like, "Oh, wow, they're they're laying these things on pretty thick. They like talk about them the entire movie." He doesn't Wait, just what about focus... her legs. 
they talk about how long her legs are. The f- camera focuses on her legs so much. And then in well, the end, they get chopped off. Yeah, yeah. Also, of course, they focus on her legs and feet. It's kind of Quentin's thing. I was uh, reading a quote by Brad Pitt that Brad Pitt says that Quentin Tarantino has separated more women from their shoes than than the TSA. Yeah, that was one of his uh, like accepted speech lines. Um, the other thing I want to ask is like as an opening thing too, um, and this is something that's used a lot in the opening and a ton in Planet Terror. What did you think about like the scratches and skips and stuff? I was okay with it. Taylor, who watched it with me, found it distracting. I I knew what they were doing. I think that helps, right? Yeah. Oh, and it also kind of explains, like, for example, and this is getting way ahead of ourselves, but in the final car chase, right before um, it crashes with uh, Zoe Bell on the car on the hood, it's very clearly a dummy tied to the hood. And then when they hit into Kurt Russell right after that, it's very clearly a dummy you can see inside of it. And it's like, that's how Grindhouse movies work. So it like, it was, it's kind of this like winking thing where it's like parts of the movie could be a little terrible because it's an homage, right? And one thing yeah. I liked is as the girls are driving to like Guero's right before they get to that first place there, you see their car and it skips and then you and then when it comes back, you see his car in their place driving along yep. is like following them. And it's one of those things that I appreciated, but I in, in certain moments I like. But like the longer this like the more times you watch the movie and like see the skips, the more you're just like, OK, yeah, I don't I, I wouldn't I don't need those as much anymore. But I do like the idea of what it was going for. Yeah, um, with with Zoe Bell being on the hood most of the time, I think that was her, right? Like that was a cool stunt, um, and she's a stunt woman, so it it, it worked f- for that scenario. Well, yeah, he actually wanted to get a second stunt woman. She was like, "No, I mean, if you're gonna have me do this," and he she also didn't realize like how big her part was gonna be until she was on the poster, and she was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> do you know what other movie you've seen her act in? I I. Unfortunately, didn't think I heard of Zoe Bell before this. She is Kurt Russell's wife in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She's the one that gets really pissed at Brad Pitt for damaging her car. Oh my god. It's been a in the... hot minute since I've seen that. Well, you need to watch it again because it's great. Um, so that when they get... I think the next part uh, that I want to talk about is when they get to the bar and then when Kurt Russell shows up. But before he does, one thing I noticed is um, Quentin Tarantino is the bar owner, right? That's not the part I noticed. But he and walks the bartender. over. Yeah, right. Um, but he walk. You know, the bartender brings them shots, and she's like, "Warren brought you shots, so you have to drink them. Those are the rules." And they come over and they all do it. And I think what was it called, Chartreuse? And he's like, "It's so good, they named a color after it." Yeah. But after they all do their shot, he's like, is that a tasty beverage or is that Damn a tasty it. beverage? I was going to mention that, and you mentioned it. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> There's that four rooms uh, <laughs> recollection. Yeah. Right. It worked better in this. I don't know. It it was one of those things that, like, I think it only works mm. this time for us because we've seen four rooms. It's like a little, like. Easter egg for people who just for fucking us? watched that movie, yeah. For right. the three people who have seen it, yeah. I um, was gonna mention it, and yeah, fuck, you beat me to it. But it, yeah. So his character in both this and Planet Terror are very different from each other. And you know, he was in Once Upon a Time in Mexico too, right? Hollywood, or do you mean Mexico? No, I mean Mexico. Quentin was. Quentin was, yeah. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Well, maybe you should watch it again. Um, He was in Once Upon a Time in Mexico, and he was some sort of rapist drug dealer or whatever. And he's a rapist. And uh, he's actually, you know, his um, he's credited as rapist number two. Um, And I maybe it's a running joke between Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. It's like, if I'm going to put you in my movie, I'm going to make you a rapist. <laughs> maybe or he's just like i can't get anyone who wants to play this part and he's like i'll fucking do it 
Because <laughs> he usually plays like either bad or characters that say bad things. Like even Pulp Fiction, like his, you know, racial like use of the N word. And then um what uh which one? Um Oh um, he's a slave he's a slave trader. Australian yeah. slave Django and Chain. Mm-hmm. Yes, right, right. So even that part, like he's never he's never like a great guy in his movies. Even like uh Four Rooms. He's not a bad guy, but he's kind of a shitty guy. Warren he's probably fine in as right in this film in Death Proof. Yeah, yeah, Death Proof he's okay. He's okay. Um I so so getting back to the after they take their shots, um I like how would you consider this a feminist film? Yeah, no, I think that was kind of the point of it. Um, I was reading some article about uh, about the uh, like I was reading up trying to once again I was trying to figure out that Rose McGowan thing, and yeah, yeah, there was some people who who said that was kind of the point of this. Because because you know you don't really think of this genre as like pro women, um, but then you you have scenes where. Well, not just scenes. It just feels like the whole movie. Every guy in this film is a asshole. Like even the two guys, the two guys who are hanging out with them at the bar, getting drunk. They're like, "Oh, we're gonna get them so hammered that they're gonna have to bring us back to the to the lake house." And they were like, "Um, not the greatest people about it," you know. Well, Eli Roth always plays like a piece of shit, except for the bear Jew. Like everything else right. I see him in, he's just not a good person. And then Nate is also one of the inglorious bastards. And he's kind of just like a whiny bitch in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I want to make out with you. Which was funny because then in the scene where she's doing the lap dance, Nate is nowhere to be seen. I guess he just stayed outside because he couldn't watch it. <laughs> Nate went home. Um, yeah. We get introduced to Kurt Russell, even though we've been kind of teased by his presence because we've seen his car up till then. And he finally sits down at the bar, gets a conversation going with Rose. Um, I love his jacket, by the way, his icy hot jacket. I want that jacket. You can wear that one. I'll wear the one from Drive. We'll just go around and look like idiots. It looked like the big, biggest douchebags. Yeah. Ash, Ashley bought me the drive jacket. And it's way fucking too. It was like too small when she got it for me, and I haven't like <laughs> I haven't gone in the right direction, so it's just sitting in my closet. Yeah, it's like just the iconic jacket from movies is all always like very noticeable. Like what what you um I was at Disney the other day, and they had the Star Lord red jacket. And then they had his like headpiece, and I was like, I just totally buy both of those things. Which at Disney is like for two hundred and fifty dollars. Actually, um, both the jacket and the headpiece together was like one fifty, but this, so that's too much for like a fucking anyways. So yeah, he's he's introduced, and and I think you know we know he's a villain, but he still comes off as very Kurt Russell-y, you know. And also, he I really like the way he does the dialogue too. You know, he's like. Just everything he says, I especially like he's like, you know, I'm a I'm a teetotaler. I've been just drinking like um what like club soda all night. And he's like, but I'm building up to my big drink, Virgin Pina Colada. And I was like, um, that is a good drink. Yeah. He, he, what do you when you see Kurt Russell? What's the first film that like pops into your head? Probably one I haven't seen of, which is like Escape to New York. You know that picture of him on the cover, which I think doesn't he have like one eye covered? Escape from New York. Yeah. Um, that's kind of grand. Housey too, isn't it? Of the movies I've seen, probably The Thing. The Thing, Escape from New York. When uh, most recently he's been in the Guardians of the Galaxy two. Have you seen that one? Yes, obviously. He's a villain in that one. And I feel like his portrayal between this movie and that movie is quite similar. I was just going to say, it's interesting his approach to being a villain of a film. You know, even as he's killing Rose McGowan, he's doing it in such a way that it's like cool and charming and collective. (laughs) Well, there's a couple moments in this beginning that like, there's very little that's kind of like, ominous in the beginning when 
um, Arlene Butterfly like sees his car drive by the first time and it speeds off. But then when uh, Quentin Tarantino's like, oh, hey, the lights are not on outside. Turn on that light. And you turn it on and the car's there and, like, the music kind of builds. Yeah. Like, those are the only two moments until he drives Rose McGowan home. A couple things I noticed, like, before that, though, real quick. One was that, the the car turning on, like, the lights turning on and she's seeing the car. But um, they keep pestering Lana to show up so that they can get weed from her. and. Right. That's the whole reason Lana had to die, like because these assholes needed weed. If they had just left her alone, she, you know, she wasn't one of the people he was eyeing. So right, right, feel right. Feel bad right. for her. And then Rose McGowan, some of her lines um, were pretty rough. The way she talked about Julia. Well, I did yeah, enjoy the one where she's like, like her, but I enjoyed the one where she's like, "Do you know how she got that billboard? Enjoy it, cocksucker!" <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> spelled it out. Was she like a rival radio no, she got her, host? No, she got her ass kicked by her in middle school. And then she was also, oh. she she like made fun of her saying she was built like a, she said built like a black man. And the way she said it was like pretty, pretty offensive there. Right. Um. Also. Not built like it a was, man. She's also not built like a man. <laughs> it was also kind of funny where. Didn't Jungle Julia like turn to her or like towards her and call her like a smelly hippie or something like that? Yeah. But it was almost like she didn't recognize who she was, but she must have, right? Yeah, well, because Arlene was trying to tell her something about her. I think she was trying to say like she had gotten left there or something. We don't really get the backstory of why she needs a ride. But yeah, because as she's about to tell her, um, you know, then... uh then it cuts over to her asking if anyone can give her a ride. And that's when Kurt Russell like comes in and is like, I can, you know, I can give you a ride. She's like, Oh, you can, you can give me a lift. She's like, well, if when I'm ready to leave, you're ready to leave, then yes, I can. But like, I, I'm not leaving early. So, yeah, I mean, then, then, uh, she orders the Virgin Pina Colada through for him. And then he's, he also has a way about the way he says things, like the movies he's been in and the stunts that he's done and and everything like that just seems like he's full of shit. Well, when he started talking about all the shows he's been in, one, those were real things Kurt Russell had been in, which is funny. (laughs) That's funny. But two, it sounded like the impetus for the Brad Pitt character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that this was like... You know, because all of the shit Brad Pitt did for Leo DiCaprio, like all the stuntman work he did on the different shows, because he talks about the Virginian, which I think is a specific move with the horse that people have to do. Um, so that was like, I found that part. Of sh- but yeah, I could see him being full of shit. But also he realizes like halfway through, he's like, oh, I'm old and none of you know what the fuck any of this is. Right. I love how his name is just Stuntman Mike. Yeah. Um. So we then get to the point where he goes outside and he starts talking with our, he starts talking with Jungle Julia and he's like, oh, you know, asks her about the billboard. And then he does this weird thing where it, it like looks like he loses a sneeze. You know what I mean? He starts looking up trying to sneeze. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And then they're like, what the fuck is going on here? Right. Um, it's really weird. But then we get when he comes back out and he does the poem for Arlene and uh, Jungle Julia keeps stepping in and is like, oh, well, she already did that dance. You know, she's like, oh, you know, she's like saying, oh, she doesn't want to do it for you, basically. And he kind of calls her a chicken shit. And then she's like, I bet you're upset because you thought guys are going to be pestering you all tonight. And that hasn't happened. And then he, yeah, when he breaks out the book and he's doing what, like a, his John Wayne impression where he's like, but right. I'm going to have to yeah. mark you as chicken shit. That sounded more Forrest Gump, honestly, what I just did. You did better than I thought you would, actually. Um, nice. With this this whole thing, this whole like exchange that they're having, I'm like, this is this is gonna work, isn't it? Like this, and I, I, I was just like, this is interesting, right? This is like, as far as this being kind of pro women, pro like very feminist sort of film, this part came off as super anti 
feminist in some ways, but then the huge turnaround in the end of the film, I think, uh, kind of brought the theme home, right? Like, uh, this like well, manipulation tactic, I guess he's using, right? Well, what's funny is like the parallels between the the girls in the first and the and the second, like Jungle Julia's in like the she's trying to get in the entertainment industry. She's a DJ, but she's trying to start a record company. All the girls in the second act like work in movies, right? And Julia's trying to date this rich guy to get in his mansion. And Rosario is interested in this mood. Like I think what is it? He's either the director or something else. Mm-hmm. That she's trying to hook up with him, but he ends up fucking someone else. And we'll, we'll talk more about it when we get to it. But like, there, there's so much parallels in this, like between the two groups. But just the fact that he kind of chose the wrong girls the second time he did this. Um, the lap dance is really long. Too long. Very, very long. Um, and yeah, I, yeah. Also, it's like, yeah, I don't know, watching a lap dance. Like, if you're getting a lap dance, enjoyable. Just watching Kurt Russell get a lap dance, it's like, eh. You know. Is getting a lap dance enjoyable? Not at my age. But maybe when I was younger and single, yeah. Um, <laughs> so he leaves with Rose McGowan. Um, she, she's not Cherry Darling in this, was she? Pam? Yeah, Pam in this. And... I don't understand why she cared so much what these other bitches thought. Like they, they were making fun of her because she was going to sleep with mechanic or um, I almost said mechanic Mike, stuntman Mike, <laughs> and she just like kept giving. She kept coming back like, no, he's old enough to be my dad. Da 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 da. da. I like I don't get why she cared. But yeah, and I just find it hilarious that like you know how most movies like if you step three feet away from someone you don't want to hear your conversation, they won't hear your conversation. But he was just like clear across the other side of the parking lot, like, I can hear you. Right. So it then gets where he pulls out and he's like, Are you right or left? And she says, Left. No, she says right. And he's like, Oh, that's too bad. And the music hits. Yeah. And she's like, What does that mean? He's like, Well, we had a fifty fifty shot of you going the same direction, but now you're just gonna have to get scared a little bit earlier and he just fucking hits it. Um, this scene is uh, see, like, but this is what I'm talking about. Cool, calm, and charming as he's kidnapping and murdering someone. Yeah, but it is from the perspective of watching Rose McGowan's character, it is kind of hard to watch like her pleading for her life. Like, I know it's a joke. No, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, the line though is pretty badass of like, you know, I told you this car's death proof, but to get the benefit of that, you really need to be sitting in my seat. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, obviously he slams on the brakes. She kills herself. He then chases after the other girls, and he does not—he does not fuck around. He jumps his car into theirs, um, killing all four of them. Although Lana seems to get the least of it, but she's driving, so I—I I mean, they all die. Uh, although I think Shanna, Shanna, Shanna—I think she could have lived. She got thrown from the car and just landed. I was thinking that too. I was even thinking I got Planet Terror and Death Proof mixed up in the fact that who ends up with a a leg gun. So I thought that um, maybe Jungle Julia ends up with a leg gun, but she does not. She they all die. Yeah, yeah, they all die. Uh, who do you think got it worse? Because oh, fucking butterfly got it worse in the face. Yeah. But that might be an instantaneous death, whereas like Jungle Julia's like got her legs shut off, cut off, and then that's just like painful until she bleeds out. I got it the worst, having to watch Butterfly die. Uh, real quick before we get to the second half of the movie, uh, you're a big Butterfly fan. <laughs> I was wondering when you were going to pick that up. Uh, no, but. The when uh, when they end up in the ho- when he ends up in the hospital and the doctors are conversing or the the um, the nurse and the sheriff are conversing with each other, like they couldn't convict him because it does look like an accident, but they were pretty sure that he did it on purpose, right? Right, and he's like, I could spend my whole time proving it, or I could watch NASCAR, and he's like, and you know, I can still just make sure he never does it again in Texas. Fast cut to Lebanon, Tennessee. 
Um, one thing, one last thing that I read before we get to the uh, next half, which we're going to go through probably a lot quicker. Um, there was a scene where they find stuntman Mike masturbating in his flipped over car <laughs> that got cut from the movie. Oh but my God. Like... I, thought, I thought you told me that there was a scene currently in this. And I'm like, what the hell? I must have missed that. Um, I don't know if it was filmed or not, but it was obviously deemed unnecessary. And, <laughs> and uh, the the cop explains that it, he thinks it was a sexual thing, but <laughs> fucking weird Kurt Russell <laughs> jerking off the car. <laughs> that was oh uh, something God. I read. Don't know if it's true. Um, All right, good to know. Good to know. We get to the next. Uh, we get to the next uh, three girls at first, and then Zoe Bell comes in. Um, Kurt Russell's got a big thing for feet. Yeah, uh, Rosario yeah. Dawson. Mary Elizabeth Winstead can really fucking sing. I never knew that. Yeah, and I did not realize how many things she's been in. You know, she's married to Ewan McGregor. I did not know that. They met. Well, they must have met on uh, the Birds of Prey Harley Quinn movie, and mm. uh, now they have a kid, and they've only been married for like a year and a half. I started watching that movie Kate, where she's an assassin, the other day. Okay. And I'm only like 30 minutes into it, but there's a scene where she sticks a knife through this dude's, dude's face and I just audibly screamed, oh, fuck yeah, <laughs> like at my TV. <laughs> no one else is in the room with me. It was just so <laughs> jarring and awesome. She, so uh, I, I recommend. I, okay. Uh, I, I'll consider it. Um, I recognize her immediately from Cloverfield Lane, um, which she was amazing in, and and Birds of Prey. You know where Taylor was like, oh, shit, she's the girl from blah, blah, blah. Scott Pilgrim? Well, Scott Pilgrim, sure. But no, initially she goes, oh, she's the villain from Sky High. Fucking jeez. <laughs> Come on, Taylor. That's like so many other things, but yeah, she is. <laughs> She'll always be the girl from Scott Taylor, if you under me. Um, the Scott, scene with Scott the, Taylor? No, the, the girl <laughs> from Scott Pilgrim. Did I say Scott? Anyway, fuck it. Um, the scene with the feet is super fucking creepy. And the first time I watched it, it felt like it lasted forever. And then when I watched <laughs> the movie the second time, I was like, oh, that was like a minute. But it was so creepy that time stopped. Yeah. How, what did you think about uh, Black and White for a while? I liked it. I was like, how long is this going to last? And it didn't last very long. I think it la- what lasted until he like burned rubber again for the second time and drove off in front of Rosario Dawson. Um, when it cut, when it cut back to them, it was color and you could see like, and it's not just color. Like everything is so vibrant. Like they are all wearing super vibrant clothing. The car is bright yellow. I think the gas station was orange. Um, did not realize that she was wearing a cheerleader outfit until then. Right. Um, and they also, when he speeds off the first time, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead like holds up a pinky and she's like little Dick, which I think is total, like Quentin Tarantino foreshadowing that he's going to be a little bitch in the end of this movie, (laughs) Kurt Russell's character. Yeah. But you know what they say about guys with like big muscle cars? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I I do. I get it. That that was the point of it, but there's also the foreshadowing. Sure. I, I love the Italian Vogue bit too is so great he's like when nikki cat's like i have other magazines back here which you totally think is like a fucking line to get her to like walk back there and she's like no i'm good and then he's like i have italian vogue and just like the fucking turn around and then she's like we're buying it yeah she runs out she has to tell her friend that they have italian vogue uh they uh they go to the the restaurant and pick up well, they pick up Zoe Bell, and you're at the restaurant with with all four of them, and it's this cool, like you know, very reminiscent of the beginning of Reservoir Dogs, where you're going around the table and they're all talking. You notice Kurt Russell sitting at the bar the entire time. I read that, but I did not notice it, so I do want to go back and just watch that part of it because I completely missed it. Um, because when I was like writing down my notes, Zoe Bell shows up, right, and he's like taking pictures of them. Yeah, and I was like, okay, like. From that point of the taking pictures until with like 15, 20 minutes left in the movie, he's not in it. But yeah, he's just like in the background of that diner, I guess. 
what's interesting about the scene i forgot about it until you mentioned it the scene of where he takes pictures is in the first half of this movie he had pictures of the three girls uh, but no explanation on how he got them and now you see that he stalks his victims and photographs them yeah and i want to talk a little bit later about like the way he treats each set of girls but um the car ride is like an exact like it's just like showing you exactly like these girls are exactly like the other girls, right? Just talking about their sex life, um, just shooting the shit with each other. Um, and it's like, it is really cool. Just like the way it's the way the two sections mirror each other, almost like letting you believe like the same thing's going to happen. And then like the fucking change, like the way the end ends. Right. Right. And I actually had the ending spoiled for me because I have seen the ending in like a YouTube compilation of like, I don't know, top 20 badass women of film. I don't I don't know, but something like that. So I, I knew how it was going to end in that regard. I just didn't know the build up to it, which definitely put it in, in a new perspective. But yes, when the camera is circulating the table and they're all having their chat, um, you see Kurt Russell sitting at the bar of what seems to be like this 50-esque diner thing. Right. Uh, you only see the back of his head. But obviously he's iconic. He, his hair and his clothing and he, you know who he is, right? Um, but this is where Zoe Bell gets the idea of wanting to joyride, basically. Well, the, she, didn't get the, uh, she didn't get the idea here. She has been setting this up. This is when she like tells them about it. Like, no, that's what I meant. Yeah. Like she has been getting this local newspaper instead of just, you know, typing in Craigslist, Lebanon, Tennessee, like you would today. Um, the other thing this sets up, like, well, one thing, a couple, I have many points I'm about to rapid fire make. So they have this conversation about how Rosario Dawson's like bow that she wants to date. Fucked a Daryl Hannah stand in. Right. Lana Frank, who is the weed dealer in the first half, stood in for Daryl Hannah in Kill Bill 1 and 2. Was her, like, stunt double or stand in or whatever. I think she's stand in. Um, This other thing, one, it sets up that Kim has a gun, right? And then it sets up uh, this one line that Kim says about Zoe, because they're talking about almost falling in the ditch, and Rosario's, like, smart enough to recognize the ditch, and Zoe's good enough to not get hurt. She's like, Zoe is amazing with, like, agility, reflexes, nimbleness, which are all fucking things you need to hang on to the hood of a car in a high-speed chase. Especially getting thrown off of the hood of a car in the high-speed chase and then being fine afterwards, yeah. I love the way she hops... It's almost like a fucking Bugs Bunny cartoon. She hops up like, I'm okay. <laughs> um... But then the next thing I really want to talk about, and one of the funniest scenes in this movie and in the entire Grindhouse is with the fucking dude from the Adam Sandler movies who has the car. Oh, him, yeah. What do you, you horny you... gals want? <laughs> the, are, are you specifically talking about the part where Rosario Dawson like pimps out Mary? Absolutely. And, and he's she's like, yeah, you know, in a film. He's like, what kind of film? She's like... She's like, why is she dressed like that? Is it a porno? And she's like, yes, a porno. Well, she's like, are you talking about the colored girl? And she's like, yes, the person of color. And then he's like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, it's a cheerleader movie. What's a cheerleader movie? It's a movie, a movie about, about cheerleaders. cheerleaders. <laughs> and then she's like fast asleep and they walk up to her and he's like, hey, so he's going to be your friend and uh, good luck with that. And then just runs off and he's like, Hey, so what do you think happened to her this whole time? We never find out. I mean, she's just chilling with the dude, right? What if he just like, if there was like a quick like excerpt in the credits as it's rolling and he's just like making her dinner or something and being like super nice. <laughs> um, also, we never see the repercussions of them totaling his car. Yeah, sure. We don't need to get into all those details. I mean, you know. They also fucking killed the dude, so... <laughs> I also like the the uh, the talk about the ship's mast. First of all, the setup of, like, not explaining what it is, we just get to see what it is, is cool. Yeah, and it's awesome. How, how it would work in real life. Um, but her explaining to Zoe Bell, like, 
you know, I would have never said that had I known I was going to be in America. And she's like, what the fuck does that mean? She's like, I would have added a however if I knew that I would be in America. And Kim's like, you know, somehow that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's a one way to win an argument. No, it's great writing, actually. And, and you know, you, you said this film is long, like too long, and it would take a, another director just, you know, make this a short film. I agree with you. The first part of it with the bar and everything and setting up Jungle Julia is quite long. But the rest of it, I think, is perfectly paced. Yeah, no, yeah, the se- the second half is like far superior. It's just like a more, and like as I said with with Jackie Brown, it's a, like a satisfying ending to the movie. Um, so with about twenty minutes left in the movie, we get the ship's mast, which then leads into the car chase. I love right before that when she's like Kim's like, "Do you want to start out on top?" And she's like, "It practically doesn't count if you start on top." And they both like start laughing. Like, Kim's getting into it. And the other yeah. thing is, as they're starting to drive, Rosario Dawson starts getting into it. She gets in the front seat. And then you see that, like, big smile she has. Like, it's kind of like a representation of, like, she's a badass, too. Which you right. then get confirmed for you, like, in a couple minutes. What's, um, uh, what's really cool is when Kurt Russell starts hitting the car. And they're, like, freaking out. And I'm, like, I'm freaking out, too. I was, like, dude, you just, you, Zoe Bell is going to die. Right? Uh, when they crash and uh, she pulls out the gun and she shoots him in the shoulder and he just hightails it out of there like a total bitch, right? Yep. When they all turn to each other and like they're like, all right, let's go get this fucker. I was like, yes! I was like, go get him! Like, <laughs> Come on, team! Well, like, yeah, fucking Zoe Bell walks up and she's like, what? where'd the crazy guy go? And they're like, oh, let's go after him. And they turn to Rosario Dawson like, all right, you want to get out? And she's like, fuck that shit. Let's kill this bastard. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, awesome. The thing I wanted to ask you is Kurt Russell just immediately goes for the kill with the other girls. Do you think, my thought is, and I'm going to ask you what yours is, do you think that he like respected them? Because of like mm. you know Kim's driving, the fact that Zoe's on the top is this badass. Like that he's like, I don't want to kill these girls because like you know how how awesome they are, and I'm a stuntman and I respect them. Or like why like the disparate treatment between the first girls and these girls? It seemed odd to me. So I like your explanation of it. My thought was that if he killed them in the same way, it would start a pattern and it would look bad for him so maybe he was trying to flip them over instead of just head on and then it would be it would look more like an accident is what well, Andy, i thought and well sorry and he could just take off right if he, if he well, doesn't yeah, crash right yeah that too that's so maybe no, the, definitely and maybe the fact that he didn't he couldn't flip them over he was like all right i'll, I'll get out of here now great job ladies you jumped the gun with quentin tarantino's line about tasty beverage so i'm gonna say what i want to say and it's my favorite part of the whole car race they're going about the road they run him off the road he hits dirt it creates this big dust cloud the camera pans real quick and he shoots right from the right of camera back on the road i was like holy fuck that was so cool so I, you know, I know explaining it doesn't do it justice, and you have to watch to know exactly what I'm talking about. But once I said that, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Absolutely, no, yeah, it's, yeah, because it's like the bad camera work you would get in like a a C movie, right? Like a B grindhouse type movie. Was it bad camera work? Because I thought that was really cool camera work, where it was like it was all cloudy and you can't see him double back, and then the camera pans and then he's shooting across. It's obviously good camera work, but it was purposefully mimicking bad camera work. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, my favorite thing, which just dovetails into the end, is him hitting them off up into this like off-road that goes up and him thinking he's done. And then them hitting his car. <laughs> they come up to pull him out of the car. He's like, be careful. My arm's broke. It's like, bro, that ain't, that ain't what this is. And they beat the shit out of him and then do this like, cheer at the end like yay and the movie ends and you're like oh i guess maybe they let him live whatever and then it cuts back 
and Rosario Dawson caves his fucking head in? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that whole thing where he thinks he's gotten away and they just fucking T-bone him, like, out of nowhere. Um, Oh, what did you think of, like, the cheesy 80, like, snapshots, like, uh, freeze frames of them punching him and his face? And, yeah, it's just great. I expected, like, blow, whap, whammo, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, when when she just takes the back of her heel and just concave, concaves his face. In. Is it concave or convex? Uh, I think it's concaved his face in. So, to end this real quick, do you want to know who else was considered for Stuntman Mike? Lay it on me. John Travolta, Willem Dafoe, John Malkovich, <laughs> Ron Perlman, Bruce Willis. Someone wrote Cal Penn in here. That just fucking can't be true. That's got this whole this whole thing is suspect now. But <laughs> fucking Cal Penn. Cal Penn from Harold and Kumar. That's what I think. Okay. That's that's fake. That's got to be fake. <laughs> Bing Rames. Sylvester Stallone, and then Mickey Rourke was apparently like offered the role, and. His, uh, they discussed it, and Quentin Tarantino was like, "You'll be perfect for it." Which I actually think, I think Kurt Russell's perfect for it. But if you had to choose someone else, Mickey Rourke is a fucking great choice. But he told Mickey Rourke like, "You'd be perfect for it." So Mickey Rourke's agent was basically like, "Oh well, then he'll fucking pay whatever I want." Kept trying to up it in negotiations, and so then they went with Kurt Russell instead. Yeah, which is, which was a good choice. The only name. Other than Calpin, the only other name that you said that I think would work would be Bruce Willis. I think would have worked well in this, but also Ron Perlman would have done a pretty okay job. Ron Perlman would have been great. Travolta, I don't know he wears so many like fucking wigs and Willem Dafoe. I can't even see it. No, John Malkovich would have been weird. John Malkovich would have been John Malkovich, or maybe the John Malkovich from Rounders. I don't know, but yeah, I think Kurt Russell is perfect for it. Um. And I because he's I like, just he's just he's just cool eighties, yeah. Which Mickey Rourke also pulls off. What I don't get is though, like in two thousand seven when this came out, so filming oh five oh six, Mickey Rourke was like in a little bit of a down period. He was just in Once Upon a Time in Mexico in oh three, but like his resurgence was oh eight with the wrestler. Yeah, so why was his been agent good for him? Yeah, that's so that part's so weird to me. Like, it's oh, just a bad be... agent. It's just a bad agent. Yeah. Um, but overall, like, I'm glad we redid this movie because I have, like, a much greater appreciation for it. And, like, it confirms that until I watch The Hateful Eight, like, Four Rooms is securely in last place. I knew we were going to have fun with the with Grindhouse. Um, actually, I'm, I'm glad because talking about this beforehand, I didn't know your position on it. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't I was expecting more wall to wall action and, and like you know, um, just hyperness, I guess. Um, but as we discussed, the beginning was very slow, which I, I didn't see coming. Um, much like the car that killed all those girls, but no, I mean, I, I liked it. I, uh, it gave me my fill of, of grindhouse films. And I still think you should watch hobo with a shotgun in February. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon, and I finally watched Grindhouse Death Proof. And Planet Terror. And Planet Terror.